Hey everyone, welcome back to Soap Floor. I apologize if I'm a little echoey. I am still in my blue room trying to get this whole outfit situated just the way I like so that I can record better quality shows for each of you and for myself. As you all know, I have devoured season one of both Falcon Crest and Dynasty and I needed a little time off. I needed about a week to gather my thoughts and properly execute this vision. The nominations for the 2022 Oscars just came out. Wow. That's a whole nother, that's a whole nother podcast, but it made me think, it's like, hmm, what is the, what is the prerequisite for some of these awards? You know, what is, is there a fan favorite? I guess we'd have to kind of lean into Nickelodeon or MTV for that sort of thing. But I wanted to do this for all of us novices, all of us new to these retro soap operas. And so, ladies and gentlemen, this is the first ever, let's see, let's call them the Bubblies. Yes, the Bubblies are what we came for. I came for cheese. I came for over-the-topness. I came for storylines that were a little bit unbelievable. Didn't get a lot of that with the first seasons of these two particular shows, but I'm excited to see what is around the corner for them. So the Bubblies are here. These are my personal favorites and the awards for the scenes that are often overlooked I appreciate every moment of the melodrama, and I want to give a wink and a nod to each and every one of these wonderful actors who've brought a part of the story to life that I find unforgettable. Ladies and gentlemen, this is Soap Lore. I'm your host, Jet, and welcome to the first ever Bubblies. Should we call them the Bubblies or the Studsies? I'm going to use those interchangeably throughout the rest of this podcast, so buckle in. We're about to get started on our first category. All right, people, so our first category is for best disruption of a party or personal moment. These are the scene stealers. This is the unexpected interruption that happened that made the the main character in that scene a little nervous or disrupted a very important or special or personal moment. We have three in this category. We have Walter Lankersham, Jason Gilberti, and good old cousin Emma. Now, Lankersham's nomination comes from his iconic interruption of Blake and Crystal's wedding. If you'll recall, he comes flying up the driveway, which is like 10 miles long, which is impressive because that means he had to be irritated the entire time. He does a half circle donut, you know, sends gravel and dust onto all those rich people's beautiful dresses and into Crystal and Blake's face. He jumps out of the car ready for a fight (laughs) and is promptly attacked by a pack of dogs, trained dogs. Wonderful and unforgettable entrance. I loved every moment of it. Second up, we have Jason Gilberte, who was stumbling through the vineyards drunk, if you remember. He hears a ruckus. He hears two voices, recognizes one of them to be his sweet little niece, Emma, runs into the wine house, tries to pick a fight, and it's still debatable. He either stumbled back and splat-a-tat-tatted on the ground, or Emma accidentally pushed him. Either way, this is this interruption is very difficult to beat because he died and then his murder or death had to be covered up in a massive explosion. That's pretty hard to beat. Next, we have Miss Emma, who basically every time she showed up, she showed up and showed out. She interrupted every dinner, every personal conversation, every meeting her mother had. Anytime Emma was around, she had the rest of the cast shook or she had the rest of the her family shook. 
I'll take all that into consideration and let's go ahead and eliminate Jason. Yes, you died, but you can't win this award. I believe the best disruption of a party or personal moment bubbly goes to Walter Lankersham being attacked by dogs. This one was really close, guys. I really wanted to give it to Emma because she was the most consistent, but Walter's is unforgettable. I can't even count how many times that Emma burst onto the scene. So honorable mention to her. Good work. But congratulations, Walter Lankersham, for being the only person I've ever seen on TV on a soap opera be attacked by a pack of dogs. Congratulations. Our next category is the best side eye. We only have two contestants in this. We have Crystal and we have Angela Channing. Now, Crystal proved to be a worthy adversary to Fallon, who's the person I saw her give the most side eye to. And she did it in the best way possible. She did it as a mom. Crystal has zero children as far as we know this far, this far into the show. She doesn't have any kids, but she turned Fallon into a little girl time and time again with that stone face. Claire Huxtable, I wish you would, look. She put her in her place time and time again, and for that, we applaud you. Angela Channing. Now, this is where I felt the biggest gap between 1981 and 2021. I, you don't see this very often. You, I, I feel like when women give side-eye now, when they speak, there is this sing-songy tone to the voice that gives everything away. You're letting your opponent know that you're irritated. Your voice gives it away. Angela gives shade, gives side eye. She'll rip your your vineyard in half. She'll steal your water. She'll send her grandson to do dirt work for her. And she'll do it with a smile on her face, a glint in her eye, and no inflection in her voice. It is absolutely amazing. It is exactly what I needed. I didn't know I wanted, but I needed this. So... The bubbly for best side eye goes to Angela Channing of Falcon Crest. Thank you. Thank you. Our next category is best right hand man. Forgive me. The title is actually most valuable right hand man. The nominees are Joseph the Butler from Dynasty, Andrew the Lawyer from Dynasty, Gus, the friend from Falcon Crest, and lastly, Chow Lee of Falcon Crest. Joseph is nominated in this category because of the level of respect that he commands from the staff. Nobody messes with Joseph. Seems like they almost look to Joseph before they look to Blake. This isn't something Joseph takes lightly. He takes his job very seriously. And it's one thing to have to command the respect of the staff. It is quite another to have the trust of Blake Harrington, and he holds that in high regard. The trouble with this is that I think that he sees himself as an extension of Blake, like his power begins and ends with his position at that house. It's almost like he's living vicariously through him. Now, who's to say he would continue to have that level of loyalty without Blake's prestige or his money? Who knows? What if Blake actually goes to jail? What if he goes broke? Is Joseph going to stick around? I think I think he would be gracious. I think he would be appreciative. But the, at the end of the day, he needs his own check. He's good. He's loyal. He's hard to find. But do I think he's in it for the long haul? I absolutely don't. Next up, we have Andrew the lawyer. And Andrew's actually the exact opposite. 
Andrew is his own man. With or without Blake, yes, maybe Blake helped him become as prestigious as he is as a lawyer, but ultimately, whether he wins that case or not, he could stand on his own two feet. Now, he might actually be the guy, let's say Blake goes broke. That's who he could call. He'd be like, hey, could you loan me 50K? Andrew would be that guy. So he's a solid, solid runner for this category because he is, he's already got his own thing. And and most importantly, he seems to be very loyal to Blake. So I think there's a good chance. I'd, I'd say he's rock solid. Okay. In the same vein as being your own man, we have Gus from Falcon Crest. Now, Gus is a really, really nice guy. He loves his wife. He loves his family. He loves the land. But Gus doesn't want smoke with anyone. He is not a fighter. He's not out here trying to save the world. He just wants to live his life. Now, Gus is a guy, if you want to go watch the 49ers play, that's, yeah, you call Gus. You want to have a barbecue? Cool. Call Gus and them over. Gus is going to invite you to his kid's birthday. He's going to invite you to his kid's wedding. He's a buddy. But if you have a body to bury, you don't call Gus. So honorable mention, Gus, you're a wonderful friend, but you will not be winning this category. Lastly, we have Chow Lee from Falcon Crest. Now this guy, listen, this guy has all of Angela's secret. He knows everything. He is literally her right-hand man. She tells him her worries. She tells him her fears. She tells him her plans. And he doesn't say boo to anybody. Angela's his girl. Not only can he keep a secret, but he can carry a body. I mean, he can carry a body. He can plan a body. He can send a body flying over the side of a cliff. He can make it all look like an accident. If you want to know where the bodies are buried or you need someone to do so, you call Chow Lee. The winner of the most valuable right-hand man goes to Chow Lee of Falcon's Crest. Yes, yes. Round of applause. He did his thing. He hid the body. He didn't even question her. Even though this was her brother, he was okay with it. He's your do dirt guy. Congratulations, Chow Lee. All right. This next category is strictly for the ladies, the daughters specifically. It's the <clears throat> young lady that's quite enough award. This category spotlights the most doing the most girl child on the series. And the nominees are Fallon Carrington Colby, Vicky Gioberte, and the lovely Lindsay Blaisdell. Fallon came out of the gate swinging. She was brash. She was bold. She was unapologetic. Fearless. She was fierce. Unfortunately for her, she peaked very early and was quickly put in her place time and time again. She didn't know the difference between a man and a boy or how to treat a man or a boy. And her failed attempts at seduction and bratty behavior only got her pushed in a pool, married to her lover's nephew, and she ended up ruining the only healthy relationship she had. Fallon needs to have a seat and regroup. She's far too smart for this. Now, Vicky Giaberti, she's a little different. She moved from the East Coast to the West Coast. She's homesick. She has dreams of being a dancer. That's normal, you know? Normal for a 17-year-old girl. However, what's not normal is having a full-blown affair with your teacher and your parents being okay with it. I blame them for that, not her. Now, her excitement about forging a lane for herself and having these dreams, she almost... She basically almost ended up in a porno. She didn't know any better. So Vicky needs to have a seat. But I would suggest that she gets into the passenger seat. She needs to get with somebody who's lived a little bit of life, who understands how the, how things work, how the world works. 
she needs to just kind of observe for a little bit. She's just a little naive. There's nothing wrong with her. She's just a little bit naive. She's not ready for it. And lastly, we have Lindsay. Lindsay's our mild, wild child. And this season, she's totally distraught over essentially just being born. Every time you turn a corner, Lindsay's lurking. She's looking. She's got the big eyes. She's got the big tears. She's doing the absolute most. She took teen angst to the umpteenth level. This little girl came and went to school like she owned the place. She showed up when she wanted to, left when she needed to. She stole a car at one point. Mind you, she knew how to drive, but stole a car. She uh, she set up a stakeout. Lindy was everywhere all the time and always upset about nothing. I just still can't get over the fact that she never did the math. Her hair swinging and wide-eyed overreactions to the mundane more than qualify her to win this award. Young lady, that's quite enough. Award goes to none other than the very lovely, the very melodramatic Lindsay Blaisdell. Excellent performance. Excellent. She definitely deserves this. Everybody in this category needs to have a seat, but Lindsay needs to have several. The next award is the most likely to blow up your spot. This spotlights the character who holds secrets loosely in their hand and takes pleasure in gathering information. We have three nominees in this category. We have Michael from Dynasty. Lance from Falcon Crest. And good old cousin Emma from Falcon Crest. We'll start with Michael. (sighs) Michael, Michael, Michael. You guys know I love messy Michael. Now, he may not understand anything about women or the art of seduction. He just happened to be born with a pretty face and a great body. But what he does understand is the power of information, the right information that is. And by gathering the right information on everyone around him, coupled with the fact that he has nothing to lose, potentially makes him the most likely to blow up your spot if ever he finds himself in a pinch. He knows everything about everybody. And hey, for the right price, anybody else can know everything about everybody. Next, we have Lance from Falcon Crest. And I'll just say this, Lance, no doubt about it. Lance is not your friend. He's going to tell your business and he might even tell his business with the quickness before the credits roll every episode, period. It is what it is. Emma, sweet, sweet, whimsical Emma. Now, Emma has mastered the art of whimsy. Her family doesn't take her seriously, which actually turns out to be to her advantage. Now, she was definitely putting on a little bit towards the end. She turned up that crazy floating in and out of consciousness and lucidity, but You can tell in those last few episodes, she was dropping hints, you know, kind of smiling a little more, toying with everybody. Remember when Chase, I can't remember what they were celebrating, but they had a little party at their house. (laughs) And Emma had walked down to, to Chase's house and she was dancing on the porch and Julia goes out there to get her. And Emma's like, hey, Julia, you better quit playing with me. You better let me in this party before I start remembering stuff. (laughs) I'll start telling everything if you don't quit playing with me. And here's the best part. She was low-key tormenting her mother the whole time. She figured out that she was being drugged. She stopped taking the pills. She had also, let's not forget this part, she also formulated a plan and began executing it long before anyone put two and two together. She told she told them, hey, I'm going to take a new step every day until I can walk to town. I'm going to become a psychologist. I'm going to open my own shop. But they're like, oh, there, there she goes. My God, Emma's over there being crazy again. 
She definitely wasn't. She's not nearly as lost as she appeared. Emma is a lot more lucid than anyone ever thought she could be. Definitely has nothing to lose. Plus, Emma was the most unpredictable. Ladies and gentlemen, it's no surprise. The winner of the Most Likely to Blow Up Your Spot award goes to none other than Cousin Emma. Don't you love my sound effects? (laughs) Emma was the best part of Falcon's Crest. I'll say it time and time again. I enjoyed every moment she burst into the scene. Congratulations, Emma. This next category is Best House. The nominees are the Carrington Manor, Angela's, I guess that would be a Victorian at Falcon Crest, and the Giobertier baby castle that Chase and his family live in. The Carrington House. I, uh... So it's a mansion. It's massive. It's beautiful. There's just a, a, a couple things. I got to remember this is the 80s. Their master bedroom, yes, it's beautiful, but they have like a little bitty closet. You would think you have $100,000 worth of clothes per season. Mind you, per season, you think you'd have a bigger closet. I like their home, but it's so grand. The architecture is, is at least inside like the grand staircase, the huge library, but it's just kind of a dud. It feels a little bit like a museum. Not to mention, there was a, a murder in one of the bedrooms, so now it's got that haunted vibe to it. I don't think they'll ever recover, but it's okay. It's a mansion, I guess. All right. Angela's place on Falcon Crest. I love the way it looks on the outside. Every At the beginning of every episode, they show it. And it's this beautiful Victorian home. Probably got something like 20 bedrooms or 20 rooms or something. And it has this palm tree. It has a pool. It's really, really beautiful and has a wraparound porch. Gorgeous. Grand doors and a falcon that sometimes shows up with bells on. They have this really grand door and she does a lot of business on that front porch. I love the porch because it's like they they work it into the story really, really well. It's just like Blake's study. Angela has a study. That's where anytime they go in there, you know, a secret's about to be spilled. But she meets people on the porch. She has tea on the porch. She watches Chase and his family from the porch. It's really interesting. But the inside of the house is kind of dark and drab. Everything's brown. Not a lot of natural light, just kind of old and stuffy. And lastly, we have the Giaberte Castle. It's a mini castle. It's a full-on stone house. And they have done a really, really great job of showing you everything downstairs. You know how on TV shows, like on The Fresh Prince, you could see the living room, you could see people coming down the stairs, and then you could see the kitchen. It's kind of that, but it's like every episode, they show you a different angle of the room. Plus, I love that this is a stone house in the middle of Napa Valley. It's got secret letters, secret diaries, secret rooms filled with secrets. It's just a gift that keeps on giving. I love the fact that it's stone because I grew up in the desert and I can I can only imagine how cool and comfortable it is inside there. So the best house award goes to... The Giaberte Baby Castle. Congratulations. The next award goes to the couple that rode with each other through thick and thin. And sadly, there's only one couple in this category, so they win by default. It is the There's No I in Team Award. And that goes to Chase and Maggie Giaberti. Listen, I looked over the film. I checked it twice. 
No one other than the Giobertis had each other's backs unapologetically the whole time. I think Crystal tried really hard. Blake tried. Matthew and them tried really hard. But it goes to the Giobertis. Congratulations for being a ride or die couple. Couples goals. All right. Our final category, and quite possibly my favorite category, is the Mr. Still Your Girl Award, going to the heartthrob or handsome man who could steal your girl. Let's jump right in. We have five in this category. We have the cowboy with the temper, Matthew Bladesdale from Dynasty. Got the ruthless, rich 80s villain, Lance from Falcon Crest. We've got the number one oil man in all of Colorado, Mr. Cecil Kobe. Got the second most powerful man in all of Colorado. That is Mr. Blake Carrington. We got the young and scrappy kid from the East Coast, Cole Gioberte. And last but not least, we have Mr. March to the Beat of My Own Drums, Stephen Carrington. All right, let's start with Matthew. Matthew is a cowboy with a brilliant mind and a broken heart. Yes, he is a trash husband. But he's working on that. And he can definitely handle himself in a fight. I think most of the beatdowns facilitated in this whole franchise, or at least the first season, were at the hands of Matthew. (sighs) Sadly, he does spend his evening staring out of the window, daydreaming about Crystal swimming. He's got big eyes for her, still in love with her, trying to be a good husband. He's broody, he's smart, and he's getting richer and richer by the day. I think this man is what you'd call solid competition. All right, Lance. Lance from Falcon Crest. Now, he can and will steal your girl. He's tall. He's dark. He's handsome. He's sly. He's unapologetically full of himself. He's got fast cars, a lot of money, and fleeting interests. He does what he wants when he wants, but it's all for him. Like, he's that bad boy. You know he's going to break your heart. You know he's going to leave you on the side of the road. But time and time again, he's never going to have trouble finding a woman And he's never going to have fully give his heart to her either. So Cecil Colby is the fully grown up and fully realized version of Lance. Yes, he's still a villain. Yes, he still totally cares only about himself. But now instead of breaking hearts and being reckless, tearing up private property, he now understands use people as pawns. This is what, yeah, yeah, that's exactly what I think. I think Lance is a younger version of Cecil. But Cecil is a man who knows exactly what he wants, and he always gets what he wants. He managed to enjoy Fallon, make her marry his nephew, get her dad on the hook for X amount of money. This man knows how to play the game without getting his hands dirty. And he's so powerful. It's so attractive, right? All right. Then we got Blake Carrington. Now, You might be confused as to why I would put Blake Carrington in this. Listen, Blake has a fantastic head of hair and we can all see that he's handsome. He's just losing it right now. You know what I mean? He's he's power hungry. He's afraid of falling off. And let's not forget, Crystal was his secretary. In order to ensure that he could fully take advantage of that, he sent Matthew to the Middle East. That's literally, I stole your girl and I'm going to put you in the crosshairs of a potential something. All right, next, we got the East Coast kid, Cole Gilberte. Listen, he's young, he's strong, he, he's got principles. He was the only person who intervened when Vicky was dating her teacher. Yes, he went to jail, but it was for a noble cause. He was defending his sister's honor, and he was absolutely right. Somebody had to step in. 
But that's not where his attractiveness ends, because that's very attractive. Every woman wants to be with a man who can really, like, defend her if it came down to it. He loves to work outside. He's not afraid to get his hands dirty. He's good. Everybody likes him. Even Angela likes him. And the best part is he is not intimidated or turned off by the fact that Melissa has eight other men. He doesn't care. He loves her. And I'm pretty sure that he's going to steal her back from Lance. I forgot to mention that with Lance. Lance married Melissa to secure the bag. And Cole will definitely do whatever he needs to do to get her back. And lastly, we have the dark horse, Stephen Carrington. He's unapologetically himself. He has confidence. He marches to the beat of his own drum. He reads and recites poetry on demand. He's always got a a, a listening ear. He's patient. He's not judgmental. And let's not forget that he went over to Matthew Blaisdell's house, ate his roast, ate his dinner, kissed his wife. Then he boldly called her Claudia the Stallion that next morning at 6 a.m. just to say, hey, thanks for the kiss, babe, on Matthew's phone, mind you. The Mr. Steal Your Girl award goes to none other than Stephen Carrington. Yes, he's always been my favorite, but for good reason. Thank you guys so much for joining me for the first ever Bubblies on Soap Floor. And join me next week as I finally dive into the first ever season of Dallas. Y'all take care, have fun, be good, and make sure to keep all your drama on TV.